Timothy chapter 3, and I'm going to try to preach fast this morning, and at least preach so that you don't get bored. How about that? All righty. Now, first, 2 Timothy chapter 3, from verse number 1 down through verse number 13, I'm not going to take time. But you can just talk about the last day. Look here. Last days, perilous times shall come. Well, I hate to tell you that. They're here. Amen. But anyway, talking about love. And I preached on all this. Now I want you. He just goes all through all the wicked, perverse, God-hating generation. That would, by the way, can I tell you, we're not the first generation ever had to deal with something like this. Now, but I want you to say, Reggie, he goes all the way down through verse 13. And here's what he says in verse 13, if you'll take it up there to verse 13. He said, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And that's exactly what's going on. Hey, the, can I just say something? Somebody said, I don't like your preaching. You're too political. Well, Jesus and John the Baptist, but Herod didn't like John the Baptist. He's too political for John the, for Herod. Amen. Yeah. Don't this January 6th committee deal up there is nothing but a witch hunt. Yeah. It's nothing but a Trump hate deal. That's all it is. That's right. and lying out their teeth. They ain't tell the truth on that thing. I'm telling you, if you better, anyway, he says it's going to wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now, there's a break right here in your Bible. There's a break from how bad it is and how terrible it is and oh my, 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 perilous times too. What are you going to do it? You see, I can get up here and preach every Sunday. I'll tell you, it's terrible out there. It's terrible out there. But what are you going to do about it? You got to live here. You got to wake up tomorrow morning and go to work, right? So this is what Paul's going to tell Timothy how to live. And that's what's coming up in the next thing. And it's so simple. It's, way, it's just wild. It's so simple. It's not complicated. Look what he says in verse 13. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. He said, I don't care how worse and worse it gets and how wicked they get and how perverse they get. He said, you just keep on reading your Bible, living for Jesus. You just keep on serving God. You just keep on going to church. You just keep having family devotion. You just keep praying. You just keep witnessing. You just keep speaking the truth. You don't let them shake you up and go, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's so terrible. You don't do that. You just stand firm and continue in the things that you've learned, amen. Do right in the midst of it. That's a, there's never been a time in, in the history of this nation when Christian people could shine brighter and clearer than they can now. He said, you continue in the things that thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child, now watch this, here he's going to shift. He's going to teach you something. He said, not only do I want the parents continuing in the faith, and what they're assured of, of what they've learned and from whom he learned it. Who did, who did Timothy learn it from? His grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. Now watch this. Then he jumps into verse 15 and says this, that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Do you know how to live in the midst of this day? You make sure your children have the Scriptures poured into their heart and their mind. That's how you're going to survive it. That's how you're going to live in it. Ain't going to be no other way. And uh, then he says this here. He said, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then he gets into something about, about this thing of, of learning the Holy Scriptures. All Scripture. Now your perversion is to say every Scripture that is inspired. That's wrong. All Scripture, the Bible said, is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And then he picks up in chapter 4, and we'll hit that next week. Now, verses 1 through 13, as I said, describes the mess of the perilous times that we live in. But verses 3, chapter 3, 14 through 17, gives the answer how to live. 
He said, as I heard a while ago, continue in the things which thou hast learned. He said, and been assured, uh, Fanny Crosby said, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. God wants you to be sure and assured about what the Bible teaches. Hey, God is in heaven. He said, it's important unto men wants to die. After this, the judgment, Christ died for us. You place your faith in Jesus Christ. He'll save you, give you eternal life. The Bible said, walk in his ways, delight in his ways. God said, you can be sure that it'll pay in the end to walk with God and live for God and do right and continue on in your faith. That's what is simple. It's not complicated theology. It's like Larry Brown said, just what you call mush the bag. Just every, every week, just serve God. Every week, just serve God. Every morning, get up, serve God. And I don't care what they're saying in Washington, what they're doing in San Francisco, what they're doing in New Orleans. Every morning, just get up and serve God. Read your Bible. Live for God. Do right. Just keep walking on with God. Isn't that complicated theology? That's what he told him. He said, Knowing of whom you've learned it. Now, it's pretty important. Paul told us, said, follow me as I follow Christ. Yes. I'm going to tell you something, whether you think it or not. Your mom and daddy loves you. Your mom and dad loves you. They don't want you to die and go to hell. They care about your life. They don't want you experiencing a lot of junk. And I'm going to tell you, whether you believe it or not, I love you. If you think I've done this for money, you're nuts. <laughs> Because i got lots of ways to make more money than I can make here. Amen. All right? Whether you think so or not, I love you. And you ought to ask yourself, of whom can I be assured of? Whom have I learned these things? Yeah. Amen. Can I tell you something? The guys you want to run around with on Saturday night couldn't give a flip whether you die and go to hell or not. The group you're playing, the group you're, you're running with sports and all your little funds, they, know, they, they, they really couldn't care whether you die and go to hell or not. But who'd you learn about Jesus Christ from? That's what the Bible's saying here now. He had learned from Paul. He had learned from his grandmother. He had learned from his mother. And he said, you just continue. Number one, he said, if you want to know how to live in this day, you continue in the faith and the word of God. Second thing, he said, how to live and flourish in this day. Be sure you'll teach your children the word of God. He said, from a child. Now, I want to tell you something. The first person that ever really worshiped Jesus Jesus Christ, in a sense of a person apart from his mother, was John the Baptist in the womb of his mother. That which the world wants to kill and slaughter leaped in his womb when he met Jesus Christ. Amen. Don't you tell me a babe in the womb can't, can't know and, and so forth. Now he said there, from a child that has known the Holy Scriptures. Now I want to tell you something, I'm going to make some of you mad right now. Some of you have got little iPads, you got little this, little, little, I don't know what they are, but you hand them to your kid to, to babysit for you. And you don't have a flip idea of what's being taught on that. They're watching this and they're watching that. They're watching Disneyland. They're watching queers. They're watching all kinds of cartoons and all kinds of junk. And you're letting them, you're, you're letting them pour into your child. And don't you be shocked what happens to your child 14 years down the road because you put, poured into them a bunch of junk out of Disneyland. Yeah. Are you listening to me? I love you this morning. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to reprove and I'm going to rebuke and I'm going to correct and I'm going to instruct. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. Do not let this world pour your child the mold in the mold of their life. They're, they're worth full of junk. Some of you, you don't know the first Bible verse, but you know all the singers and you know all the rock stars and you know all the country western stars and you know the sports stars, but you don't know God's stars. You know why Timothy was who he was? Do you know why Paul dressed two books? Because he had a mama and a daddy and he had a family that poured the Bible into that boy's life from the time he was a child. 
I'm going to tell you something about my mama. My mama, I've seen my mama bring her King James Bible to our milk barn. Daddy had a great big old barn. I mean, that thing was huge. And we milked cows in the station barn. Many a night, many a night, my mother walked in that barn with her Bible now. Are you listening to me? And we're changing milkers on the cows and my mama reading the Bible to us. You say, what's she doing? She just poured the Bible into my heart. I'm sorry. I'm low down. I'm wicked. I should have been in hell. But I won't tell you I am what I am because I had a mama and a dad that poured the Bible into this man's heart. I want to ask you what you're doing with your kids. Who's raising your kids? Who's pouring into their soul? You want to change this world? Can I tell you something? There's probably a million young men living on the Mediterranean coast during that day. You don't know anybody but Timothy. You want to make yourself count for time and eternity? Pour Jesus into your children. Let me tell you something else. When I was 23, when I met Karen, I had hair down to my shoulders. I was driving a white Corvette and a black Harley Davidson. I looked like the farthest thing from a preacher you've ever seen in your life. Anybody that knew me would say, that guy, God will never use that guy. Don't you ever discount who God may use sitting in the pews of this church. I'm telling you, yes, did I, did I follow everything mom and dad? No. But I would tell you something, that word was in there for better or for worse, Brother Lutz. That poured that book into my soul. Amen. I'm telling you, who's raising your kids? You or the world? When I was a boy in school, Dick and Jane went up and down the hill. Dick and Jane had a spill. Stupid. Now, now they want a drag queen to read to your kids. You see, they first of all, they took God out and made it what they call secularized, you know, amoral studies. Now it's moving to where they got queers teaching you. Well, they're positive. You can't hardly find a kid in this country that stand up in a classroom of their school and say, I just want this whole class to know that sodomy's wicked. Yeah. Being a lesbian's wicked, being a queer is wicked. Amen. Oh, they're cow down in their little classes because they're afraid they've been poured up, pulled full of junk. You listen to me this morning, I'm talking about letting tater heads and idle spider man. I wouldn't let my, you ask my kids, I never bought them spider man suits, I never bought them spider man nothing. All them guys now, why they're Superman on down, all of them's queers now. Yeah. yeah. Woo! Having a good time. Some of you need to go find you a church where they're, it'll make you feel better. He said that the Holy Scriptures, that'll make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All doctrine, he said, inspired of God. Doctrine, that's what's right. Reproof, that's what's not right. Correction, that's how to get right. Instruction, that's how to stay right. <laughs> Amen. Simple, it ain't complicated. Some of you, I can see it. You want your child saved and baptized. You want to be able to take the pictures of the child being baptized. Then you set about to secularize them with everything worldly. They're already dancing. They're already showing all their worldly decorations. Oh, you won't want them to go to hell, but you kind of like for them to look worldly. I don't care if you say amen, blow snot, spit, I don't care. It's the flat truth. 
I'm telling you something. Christianity is not about you feeling good about yourself because your child made a profession of faith and got dunked in the tank, amen. Amen. Christianity is about you pouring this Bible into that child's soul. I'm talking about reading the Bible, talking about the Bible. When thou sittest down, when thou risest up, when thou walkest. By the way, I'm talking about this. Now this leads me to where I'm going to preach on this morning as introduction. This passage of scripture is the New Testament doctrine for an Old Testament that comes out of an Old Testament story example. And it's in 1 Kings chapter 21. You don't need to turn there. I'm going to tell you the story. Many of you are familiar with it already. There's a man by the name of Naboth, and he had a vineyard, a piece of real estate, a piece of land that had been given to him by God Almighty whenever God dispersed the land when they came up from Egypt in the land of Canaan, all right? Now, there's a king, and he's wicked as hell, and his name was Ahab, and he had a wickeder than hell wife by the name of Jezebel. Now, Jezebel in the Bible is always a picture of a fake, phony religion. Oh, they'll talk religion. Oh, they'll talk religion. They're so, oh, they're religious. They'll, they'll, they'll go to church. They're religious, but they don't like Bible. They don't like obedience. And I'll tell you, they got an agenda. That old Jezebel spirit comes up, and she's the one who, and this guy's name is Nabal. Well, King Ahab, he got looking out there one day, and he saw his vineyard. He said, I want that vineyard. Boy, I like that piece of ground. And so he went down there and seen him, and Nabal said, God forbid that I should sell thee my inheritance. By the way, there's two passages of Scripture. One's in Leviticus, the other's in number where God forbade them to sell the land. God said, the land's mine, it's not yours. You can't sell something that's yours. Okay? Now, hang on to your hats a minute. So, Nabal said, I can't sell it to you. Well, Ahab walks back up there, walks in the palace about noon or one o'clock, flops down on the couch and turns his head against the wall and pouts. Like a little whoop, like a little whoop. Mm. Mm, puppy, little whoop puppy by Jezebel. And she says, what's wrong, Ahab? Naboth won't sell me his vineyards. He said, what's the matter with you? Don't you rule the kingdom? Now, boy, that, that one gets me. Don't you know you're supposed to rule the kingdom, but don't you know I rule the kingdom? That's the way some of your homes are. You spend half your life trying to convince the world you're leading your home, but you're not. Your wife runs the place. She says, what's going to happen? Somebody said, My, uh, Nick, yeah, your neck's turning to see which way she's saying to go. <laughs> so she orchestrates Naboth's death. And if she does it religiously, this is how Jezebelism is so wicked. She called a fast. <gasps> Call a fast. Call a fast. Call all the elders of the city together. Set Naboth on high. Then they bring in some false witnesses, started lying about him. Said he blasphemed God and the king. Now, if you know your law in, in the Bible, blaspheme God, kill you. Blaspheme the king, king takes your land. She knew exactly what she was doing. Kill him, get the land. By the way, you don't even find out until later in the Bible she had his sons killed, so they wouldn't be any claim to the inheritance. She didn't just kill Ahab. She had, so they stoned him with stones and he died. But here's the moral of that story. Here's what God really wants you to learn from that story is that you don't sell your inheritance from God to nobody at any price. Are you listening to me? You don't sell your inheritance from God to anybody for any price they throw at you. Now, I'm going to preach this message today. While I'm preaching, I want you to be thinking, what has Satan offered me to sell out for? What's he doing right now? 
trying to get you to sell your faith out. Now, I'm going to show you this morning my inheritance. It's right here. This is my, this is my inheritance. My mom and dad's got a little bit of land down here south of Norwood. But you know the real inheritance I got from my mom and dad, Andrew? It's not down there in dirt and rocks. It's this book right here. The real inheritance you're going to get, that you got from God is this book right here and the faith embedded in this book. And I want to ask you this morning, are you selling out this morning? Because you, know you know what Paul was really telling Timothy? Timothy, it's going to get bad. It's going to get rough. Evil men, seducers, wax worse and worse. They're going to have a form of godliness, deny the power thereof. It's going to be religious as hell itself, but just as lost as hell itself. And he said, whatever you do, Timothy, don't you sell out. And I want to preach just a few minutes this morning on not selling out the Word of God. On not selling out the Word of God. I hold in my hand here this authorized version Word of God. It's my inheritance. Heaven and earth will pass away. This book will not pass away. Can I tell you that I did not buy this Bible? Oh, you say, didn't you pay $30 for it? I don't know what Karen paid for it. But I didn't buy it in the sense of being able to get one because of money. I did not work for this Bible. This 1611 authorized version cannot be copyrighted. You may say, well, I saw it once copyrighted. No, what you saw was the copyrighted, the way they put it together or the notes that they attached to it. But any person in this building can go out today, go to a printer and say, I want you to print me 500 copies of the authorized King James Bible. And they, they can't stop you from doing it because there's no. You see, if it's God's word, it has no copyright by man. Any Bible that's got a copyright by man is telling you automatically it's not God's word. What they're telling you. This Bible was passed on to me by believing people from generation to generation. This is the 4th of July. We're looking at the history of our country and the founding of our freedom. This Bible was passed on to me by the Holy Ghost. This Bible is not only inspired by the Word of God, but it is preserved Word of God. This Bible was a gift to you and I, and I must take care of it and pass it on in the same condition that I received it in. I must not pervert this Bible. I must not corrupt this Bible. I must not compromise this Bible. The Bible is not for sale. This Bible is inheritance, and I cannot sell it at any price. But let me tell you something. It's not going to be money or gold or silver. It's going to be the world's approval, acceptance that you'll sell out for. I did not write one word of this Bible. The same Jezebel spirit will steal the word of God from you. God used over 30 writers, authors, over 1,500 years of time, men of every occupation to write this book. The Bible said that the word of prophecy, it talked about that men were moved by the Holy Ghost as they spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost to God. They were shepherds and farmers and soldiers and prophets and cupbearers and tax collectors and physicians and fishermen and tent makers. The prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. I'm going to take care of this. I've made up my mind. I'm going to take care of this Bible. And I don't know what my kids are going to do with it, but I'm going to pass it on to them. I don't know what you're going to do with it, but I'm going to pass it to you. And it's going to be yours to take care of and yours to do with what you decide to do with. I'm not going to sell out for some modern perverted, Holy Ghost approved perversion or revision. They've tried to water it down. They've weakened it down. They've taken the blood out, the cross out, the wrath of God out, hell out, grace out, mercy out, justice out. I just this week picked it up one of the NIV deals where it says that you're being saved. Can I tell you something? You're not being saved. You're either saved or you're not saved. That's work salvation. I'm going to tell you something right now. When I got saved, the night I got saved, 
the preacher was preaching an old authorized 1611 King James Bible and the Holy Ghost of God came down in presence and power and convicted me of sin and my need of a savior. And I'll tell you what, I'm not selling out that which was the saving of my soul. That's how I received it and that's how I'm going to pass it on. This Bible was copied by hand for centuries. It went leather and papyrus and scrolls. Our ancestors cherished this Bible above all possession that they had. If the wagon was getting washed away in the river, it was save the Bible, save the Bible. It wasn't save the pitchfork, it was save the Bible. It has that sustained our marriages. Everything America is about everything we claim that flag stands for came out of the, the precepts of this book. But I want to tell all of us today something. An authorized 1611 King James Bible won't do you any good lying on your shelf. We are traitors. We are rebels. And we are renegades. When we don't read it, study it, meditate upon it, pray over it, and live by it, and cling to it. Our writer this morning in our text said that from a child, thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Let me tell you what Timothy knew about. He knew about creation. He knew about Adam and Eve, the first man. He knew more than the average kid graduating from an American public school don't even know who Adam is, much less. He don't even know the first man. Don't tell me he knows anything about history or science, either one. He knew about Moses. He knew about Noah. He knew about the flood. He knew about the tabernacle. Our forefathers carried it across the oceans on ships and they've read it by candlelight and coal oil light and moonlight. Uncle Buddy Robson talks about reading his Bible by moonlight. They wept over it. They read it. They were saved by it. They lived by it. They built a nation with it. They were comforted by it. They rejoiced over it. They died by it, encouraged by it, strengthened by it, even in their death. It was hauled across this globe by ship and by mule and covered wagon and horseback and train and plane and truck and car and mothed often with the, in their arms while they're walking. And this Bible was delivered to you and I in excellent condition. God has and will preserve his word. You see, the issue is not just inspiration, but it is preservation. If God can't preserve his word, don't try to tell me he inspired his word. These Bible correctors and Bible doubters and so forth. I'm going to tell you what the Bible needs. It needs to be preached and not talked about. It needs to be preached. It needs, we don't need to defend it. It'll defend itself. It needs to be taught and proclaimed and lived by and point folks to the Lamb of God with. We need to shake the Bible in the face of the devil when he's trying to tear our lives among. And I'm going to say something. God gave to us this heritage and God does not want you selling out your Bible. But you say, Reggie, I haven't read it. I'm not reading it. It's the best book in the world. Amen. You want a Sears and Roebuck catalog? You want Shepherd of the Hills laying on your chest when you die? You want Gone with the Wind laying on your chest when you die? Do you want How to Kill a Mockingbird laying on your chest? You don't see people laying anything on their chest, but old King James Authorized Version Bible lay on their chest. It's the best book about the best God, the only God. It's about the best Savior and the only Savior, the best joy, the best peace, the best salvation, the best security, the best love, the best grace, the best mercy, the best heaven, the best hope, the best cleansing, the best blood, and the best home you'll ever hear about. Amen. You're going to know anything about life? You better understand this book right here. You say, Reggie, what is this old book to you? It's a traveler's map. It'll lead me home. It's a pilgrim's staff. It'll hold me up. It's a pilot's compass. It'll guide me safely through the storms of life. It's a soldier's sword. It'll cut through the jungles of the devil's lies and the enemy's distortions. It's the Christian charter. It contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Where else can you learn 
these all important issues. The doctrines it contains are holy. Its precepts are binding. Its histories are true. Its decisions are forever. Its words are truth. And you will stand and be judged by it at the end. It is to be read if you want to be wise. Believe it to be safe. Practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct us. It's food to support us. It is comfort to cheer us. Within this book, our inheritance, paradise is restored. Heaven is open. The gates of hell are disclosed. Christ is its grand subject. Books about Jesus. Our good and salvation is its design. The glory of God is its end. This Bible should fill the memory, rule the heart, guide the feet. It is to be read slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. This Bible is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. This Bible is given to you in life, but it will be opened before you at judgment. This Bible is to be remembered and preserved. It involves the highest responsibility. The greatest responsibility you ever have is your response to God Almighty to this book. It involves the highest responsibility, but it rewards the greatest labor. And this Bible will condemn all who mess with its sacred contents. This Bible upholds us. This Bible orders our steps. This Bible produces joy. This Bible strengthens my heart, my mind, and my soul, and my spirit. It even strengthens my body. This Bible gives me hope in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation. This Bible gives light. I'm glad to know that the wicked will not always triumph. I'm glad to know I've got a Savior who's coming back and he's going to set it all right. Amen. This Bible shows you God's will if you want to know it. This Bible builds up the righteous and this Bible tears down the wicked. This Bible will produce fruit of holiness. This Bible will convict men of sin. It will cleanse the conscience, convert the soul, and consecrate the life. It will correct the wrong and confirm the right and comfort your heart. This Bible is like a mirror, James said, like a glass, and it reflects who we are accurately. I'm going to tell you something. If I didn't have this Bible to look into and see who I really am, I'd be so self-deceived. It's amazing. This Bible is like seed. And when it's sown in the heart, it brings forth life. It's incorruptible seed. That's why I want to preach it everywhere, to everybody, every time, every way we can. I want us to go all over the world, everywhere we can, every way we can, to everybody we can. Throwing the seed of God out. Just throw the seed. Amen. Just throw the seed. Some of it will fall on a bad ground. Some of it will fall on good ground. But God will take care of that. The water, this Bible is like a mirror. It's like seed, but it's like water. Boy, I'm going to tell you something. If your soul is thirsty, I'll tell you what you do. Don't turn on country and western music this afternoon. Get home and get somewhere alone and start reading your Bible. Just go read 10 chapters of Psalms and see if it doesn't quench the thirst of your soul. This Bible is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. This Bible is a sword that cuts asunder the spirit, soul, and the body. This Bible is compared to precious metals of gold, speaking of our God, silver of his redemption, brass of his judgment, and it has stood the test of the fires of time. This Bible is like nourishing food. It has two precious breasts that the church is to feed the children of God with, the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
It is milk, the Bible said in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 2, and it's desire. And we ought to have a sincere desire for the milk of the word. Hebrews chapter 5 tells us it's meat for the growing Christian. John chapter 6 tells us the bread for the traveler. And Psalms 19 said it's honey to the mouth of the Christian. This Bible is like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces, Jeremiah said. This Bible is like a fire, Jeremiah said, that'll burn within you. I'm going to tell you something tonight. Somebody, I, I never will forget Brother Oscar Cunningham telling me, he said, the way you'll know you're a priest is if you can't help it. There'll be a fire in you. I've sat down a many times like Jeremiah said, I am so done. I am so done. And then the next day or something's like a fire in my soul. And I was like, Jeremiah, and I couldn't. Karen said, if I, was, if I couldn't preach, I probably wouldn't live. This Bible, we're to read it, we're to heed it, we're to seed it, we're to desire it, we're to delight in it, we're to preach it. We ought to quit correcting it and criticizing it and castigating it and contradicting it and preach it. Amen. Amen. Give me a man that'll preach it, not just talk about it. This Bible is to be rightly divided. We're to live by it. We're to use it in culture and everyday life. We're to suffer for it. If need be, die for it. The Bible said, delight thyself also in the law of the Lord. The child of God ought to know it in his head, stow it in his heart, show it in his life, and sow it in the world. Boy, I like this. This Bible is a stethoscope. It can hear what's going on inside you. Amen. Yes, some Sunday morning you were sitting in church and the old doctor put his stethoscope on, put it down on your heart and said, ain't a sounding good in there. <laughs> That's the Holy Ghost, amen. amen. And then this old Bible's like a microscope. It looks on down there where you can't see with the natural eye. Ooh, there's some bad boogers swimming around in there. This Bible's like a telescope. It takes you on to where you can't see and shows you the future that you couldn't see any other way. Amen. This Bible ain't got no contradictions. The contradictions are in you and I. It's God's word, amen, and God's speaking to you and I. It's true in every detail. There are no mistakes in it. Jesus said it was. He talked about Moses and the prophets. His prophecies are true. The superiority of his teachings, and I say to you, the victory over its attacks. Fire can't burn it. Lions can't eat it. Armies and infidels can't destroy it. It's the anvil that's worn out thousands of hammers over the centuries. I'll tell you how I know it's the word of God, how it changes people when they receive Christ, when they believe his message. You walk into this place and a bar room will scatter. You walk into a bar room and they'll scatter. (laughs) I've always wanted to take my old authorized version to the program, The View, and flop down a great big old King James Bible right in front of them old sows. (laughs) Oh, they'd probably run. Do you know why this week, yesterday, in Seattle, Washington, at a sodomite pervert parade that they wanted to get a man out of there just because he's reading the book of Matthew, just reading it, sitting on a park bench? Because this Bible's got power, power. The very thought of it being within 15 feet of them, knowing the judgment of Almighty God, the holiness of God, it scared the living daylights out of them. Called 10 police and surrounded that boy reading his Bible. Said, you got a choice. You can either leave or we're arresting you. He said, I ain't leaving. 
Amen. Took 10 policemen to arrest an unarmed guy reading the Bible. Yes, sir. And they let, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to say it again to you. Everything wearing a uniform ain't right. Yeah, that's right. You know what will happen in this country if they take over? They'll have their policemen uniform. They'll arrest you for worshiping God. Just because a man wears a uniform don't make, he's right, make him right. Now, we ought to be respectful, but I'm going to tell you something. When they start doing that garbage, them 10 policemen are in trouble with Almighty God. You mark what I tell you. They're in trouble with God. But you know what I thought? They are so scared of this Bible. They don't even want somebody reading within 15 feet of them. That's their problem. This book's got power in it. You know it does. You know why they don't want it in our schools? Because it's got power in it. It makes them out to be the liars they are. Its effect changed lives. Drunkards have been made sober. Drug heads have been delivered. Liars have been made honest. I know it's a Bible because of its depth. No man can find the depths of this book, the height or the width. This Bible is scientifically accurate in every respect. The Bible, I know it's God's word because of its warnings. The wages of sin is death. Whosoever was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast in the lake of fire. Be sure your sin will find you out. The soul that sinneth it shall die. Be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap. Every man is tempted by his own, drawn away and enticed by his own lust. When lust hath conceived, it bring forth sin. And when sin is finished, it bring forth death. I know this is the word of God. Nobody else in the entire world will warn me about the truth of what sin will do to you. Right. Let's believe it. Amen. Let's preach it. Let's teach it to our children. Let's study it with our children. Let's weep over it and pray over it. Let's get saved by it and pass it on to our children like we got it. We cannot and must not sell out our vineyard. It costs Naboth his life and the life of his sons. But he is forever enshrined. Heaven and earth will pass away and this book will not be passed away. And I'm going to tell you something. As long as the galaxies and eternities roll and Naboth will be a man who said, I will not sell my vineyard. Let me tell you parents something this morning. You need to make a holy commitment to God that you will not sell out your vineyard. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about some of you settling out for a job. You're settling out for money. You want to make more money. You want to make more money. You want to have more things, more things. And you ain't got time to pour the Bible into your children. I understand your battle. I do believe me. But I want to tell you something. When you're dead laying in the casket, the only thing's going to matter that you left them with a faith, a solid faith in the word of God. Israel sold out the Bible for traditions and made void the word of God. They concocted their Talmuds, which was their commentaries. The church in America has sold out their vineyard. We've got every kind of, you can't hardly find a church now where they preach the authorized version Bible. Let me tell you what's going to, you mark it down. I'll meet you at judgment on this statement. I'm glad to meet you at judgment on this statement. Every church that leaves the King James Bible loses its power. And they're very, they're very aware of the preachers are very aware of it. So here's what they have to do. They have to concoct programs and services and stuff to bring in an imitation power of God. And they start ministering to your soul and making you feel good. And, oh, you had some, you just, oh, it's called soul worship. But the Bible said they that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. And you listen to this preacher this morning. You can worship God in this church set in solid, you can sit still like a rock and in your spirit worship God while I'm preaching or while they're singing. And you may never say amen and you may never get up and dance and you may never lift your hands up, but you can worship God in your spirit 
Hey, what are you going to do when they put you in jail or in solitary confinement and there's no lights out and there's no music and there's no woo, woo, woo? What are you going to do? Bring the band in. Make the smoke roll so I can have church. Some of the best times I've ever had with God are on my farm, out in the woods, out on a rock somewhere, somewhere where I'm working. Some of the best worship services I've ever had was when I was alone. Are you selling it out? You want to be accepted. The church has sold it out for commentaries, conspiracies, new and false translations, and the yea hath God said cult of the Hebrew and Greek. Our government has sold out the Bible. Our schools have sold out the Bible. Preachers and denominations have sold out their inheritance. Our homes have sold it out. And my message to you is this. I want you to not sell out. Don't sell out. How firm a foundation ye saints of the Lord is laid for you in his excellence. Listen to what it says. What more can than to you he has said, Jesus, Jesus has You sold the Bible out for Facebook, your phone, the internet, TV shows. <clears throat> your entertainments and your pleasures. We need Bible reading systems and I want the church to know this. It's not enough for me to get up here and preach that you shouldn't sell your vineyard out. But you need help in knowing how to read your Bible as far as you know, just, hey, get you a system where you're reading Old Testament, New Testament. You need a Bible reading system. You need a boat notebook. You need an order and, and diligence about reading. It's no wonder we're so weak spiritually in this country. We willfully disobey, we're half-hearted, and we love the world. And those of you listening to me that are lost without God today, I want you to listen to me very carefully. What this book says about you, it says you must be born again. That means you must believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, the great doctrine of substitution that Christ died for you in your place and shed his blood. That's what you've got to believe. I don't know if you're saved or lost here today, but I want to tell you this much. God can save you. Some of you Christians today, if some of you were as weak physically as you are spiritually, you'd fall over out of your seat. You couldn't have crawled out of bed this morning. You're not partaking of God's word. You're starving to death. You think you're going to get what you need by coming here on Sunday morning and you're fooling yourself. The reason America's beset by liars, deceivers, traitors, God-haters, Perverts, broken homes, is because we sold our heritage out. This Bible is the heritage of America. We've sold our vineyard so we don't get in trouble with the 
those the powers that be. To be honest with you, I just have a heavy spirit on me right now, and I don't know why. I, like, I wanted to preach this with joy and gladness because I'll tell you, I'm thankful for an inheritance. I'm so thankful. There is a happiness and a joy in my heart to know that I've got the truth. And I, I want to say I'm so thankful to the people in my life behind who didn't sell out, who passed it on to me. And I pray, God, that we can pass it on to our children. And I hope you kids will understand the valuable inheritance that you have of the faith of this blessed old book. This blessed old book that I hold in my hand. It's true from beginning to end. It's a solid foundation where I firmly stand. Sin kept me from it. Let's stand together. And now it keeps me from sin. Every head bowed and every eye closed today. You say, Reggie, I do not have it as an inheritance. I'd like for the pianist to come. Just play a song. I want to ask you today, are you saved? Are you saved? But before I talk to you anymore, I want to ask those of you who are saved, profess to be saved. Have you sold out? Who's raising your kids, really? Who's raising your kids? Man alive, I don't even know how to close this service out. Lord, I pray now. I need guidance. I need direction. But more than anything, Lord, we need the power of the Holy Ghost of God. And Lord, I pray today that there'd be some parents here to make some holy convictions that if their kids don't know anything else, they're going to know what the Bible says. They're going to know God of the Bible. And they're not just going to know it in letter, but they're going to know it in spirit and truth. And God, they're going to know it in spite of their failures and their mess-ups, their inconsistencies. But God being their helper, they're going to, their kids are going to have the Word of God poured into them that they'll be able to say what Paul said to Timothy, that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. God, I pray today that we'd have a holy reverence to the inheritance that you've given us, and that we'd not lightly cast it off. God, that we'd not sell our vineyard out by neglect, by being too busy. God, if there's people in this building today who have a hard time reading, I pray, Lord, they'll know that they get better by practicing. I pray, God, give them a love for the Word of God, a hunger for the Word of God. And I ask you, Heavenly Father, that you would give us a spirit in this church, not arrogancy, not pride, not hardness, but a humble commitment that we will not sell out this book to anybody for any price, even if it cost us our life. As the pianist begins to play today, Maybe you're a parent here and the Lord has spoken to you today that you've been letting some things be poured into your kids that you, you know, and it's not that you intentionally, you you wouldn't intentionally want anything wrong, but it's just not happening. You say, Reggie, I need help in knowing how to go about it. I promise you I'll do my best in the coming weeks maybe to preach a message on how to read to your kids or inculcate the Bible in your family, but the biggest thing right now is for you to come to God and say, Lord, 
I want the Bible poured into my kids and I'm not going to sell my inheritance out. And my kids are going to know that I value this inheritance more than anything else. If you want to come this morning, do some business with God, talk to God, you come on right now, would you? And you just do what God tells you to do. I'm not going to twist and beg and plead, but maybe there's some folks here today say, you know, I just, I tell you, I want my kids to know the Lord. I want my kids to know the Bible. If they don't follow it, I don't want to be because I didn't tell them. Would you come? If you're here today and you're lost without God, and you'd say, preacher, I, uh, I came to church today, but I ain't a Christian. I'm not saved. I've never been born again. I'd like to visit with you right after church and talk to you about being saved. Now, I can't save you, but God will and can. Or you can get saved really right now if you just call on the Lord and say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me. You could do that. But would there somebody be like, say, Brother Reggie, wait, Reggie, wait for me after service. Stay around the pulpit area there. Sit by them steps. Wait on me. I want to talk to you about being saved. Is there a person in this building? Your hand to go up, and I'll know to wait for you after the service is dismissed today. Anybody in this building? Anybody in this building? Anyone? Just slip your hand up and back down. I want to meet you, talk to you after church. Any other parents you want to come? Maybe a young person say, I feel the battle about selling out. I don't want to sell out. I want to keep my inheritance that God has handed down to me. Nathan, Naboth said, God forbid it that I should sell thee my inheritance. And he's willing to die rather than sell out what God gave him. I beg of you in Jesus' name that you'll make a holy commitment today in your heart. God, I am not selling out the inheritance you've given me and my family. I'm not doing it. Lord, if you'll give me grace, we're going to stand this evil day. We're going to live day by day, week by week with this old book in the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Father in heaven, <laughs> I want to thank you, Lord, for this day. I want to thank you, Lord, for the Bible. I want to thank you, Lord, for the truth of it. I thank you, Lord, for its message of salvation, sanctification, Lord, and separation. I thank you, Lord, for its comfort, for its strength, for its wisdom. I thank you, Lord, for the life that it has in it. Lord, it is a living book, and I thank you for it. And I pray God help me not to settle it out to nobody at any price. And Lord, I pray this church will just humbly and kindly stand upon the Word of God till the Lord Jesus Christ splits the sky and takes us home. Lord, we thank you today. Thank you for being so good to us. Bless these homes now, God. And I pray as moms and dads think about this thing of is the Bible being poured into my child? Do our children from a child know the Holy Scriptures that'll make them wise unto salvation? God, I want to thank you for the many families in this church who are endeavoring by the grace of God to do just that. I pray that you'll strengthen them and help them and encourage them in their journey. And God, give them grace day by day to just keep on keeping on for Jesus' sake. Lord, we just love you and thank you. And I pray, Lord, tonight that you'll bless the service. I pray, Lord, that you'll bless Tobias as he preaches Wednesday night. And God, we look toward heaven today. Lord, the inheritance that you have given us. We love you, Lord. Thank you for being so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen.